everyone, and welcome back to another Geeks and Family Therapy. I am your host, Kat, with my lovely host, Leah. Hey, how you doing? (laughs) And we're both, again, delirious today. But it's okay, because we're recording another episode of our favorite podcast, GFT. Because it's probably the only one that Leah listens to. Yeah, this is me. She's lost her mind. I wish I could sing so I so I would be so much greater. My life would be a musical. Are you going to be like a Disney princess or? I would be a Disney. I would be a Broadway off Broadway because it wouldn't be a good story, but it would be a, it would be an off Broadway play at all times. Okay. I guess that works. <laughs> okay. So everybody, there's this new social media app that's been uh, introduced and I'm have no clue how to say it, so I'm gonna make fun of it and call it Sarahahahahaha. Sarahahahahahaha. It's Mandar. It's Mandark. Yeah, that's exactly why I did that. So everybody who didn't know who Mandark is, go watch a couple of episodes of Dexter's Lab and come back. Sarahahahahahahaha. Okay. <laughs> I have not gotten into this thing, but I see a lot of my friends have actually decided that they wanted to become part of this uh, journey that is Sarahahaha. So I decided to look it up and see what it is. And I think it's just problems in the making. If you go to the website, it literally says, get honest feedback from your coworkers and friends. At work, it enhances your areas of strength or it strengthens your areas for improvement. With your friends, improve your friendship by discovering your strengths and areas for improvement and let your friends be honest with you. Okay, listen, I'm honest with all my friends. At least I try to be. And if I'm not, well, that shows just how little I think of the friendship or, you know, whatever. <laughs> but you now you've created this uh, this app and it's kind of anon- uh, uh, anonymous when you post these things. You're not posting with your name on it like you would on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or any of these other social media sites. Now you've got this thing and people are just, they're not doing constructive criticism. They're not saying, hey, by the way, that outfit that you're wearing today, probably you should change it because, you know, it looks bad or it doesn't look right on you or whatever. They're saying things like, wow, I have never liked you in your life. And there were times I just wish you were dead. Yeah. And that's, and those are the good things. Because everybody gets really, I lucked out because I have really good friends and they actually like me and they also know that I am a clingy friend. So I need constant, constant, constant reassurance. So they message me saying I'm Bay and all of that. But in the same breath, I also have friends who receive messages like, you ain't shit, you ain't never gonna be shit, you actually look like shit, I can take shits bigger than you. And I'm like, oh, sir. But that is that adds the question because I don't have many replies on my Sarah ha 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 ha. My thing is, is that, oh, you know what it is? Sarah ha 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 might be in another, originally from another language, which is why it's called that word. It probably means something in another language. Okay, that's, that's something to go on. So, but to say, for me, I went, oh, well, what does this mean? Am I, is my post dry? Is my Saraha dry? Because A, nobody gives a, 
of how, F of how about, L. Wait, 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 wait. Before you go into all that, how about you explain to us how this th whole thing works? Because I definitely, one, I'm not wasting my time on this. And two, there may be other people who have heard of it like me, but have no clue what people are talking about. So why don't you tell me how this thing this starts? This is literally getting random mail on your doorstep with no address, okay. no return address no nothing you just get a letter you just got a letter you just got a letter i wonder who it's from but you never find out <laughs> so my question is so do you so you create this account and what does it automatically say these are your friends or do you post something on it or so when you make your sarahahaha account you can link it to one of your you can op make it by linking it to one of your accounts Sarah, okay. your Facebook, your Twitter, whatever, or an email. From there, it tells you you have this and this friends on Sarah. Ha, 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 ha. It'll let you know, like, um, you have friends that are on here. Do you want to look them up? But it also goes, in the meantime, this is what, this is your mailbox. And it's a piece of mail, and it's showing what people have said or have not said to or about you. And I can look up any of my friends and say, hey, I believe that you eat monkey toes on a regular occasion and you need to stop eating monkey toes because that's just gross and they'll receive the message <laughs> but they'll never know that it was me so i think it's an intentional intention was constructive criticism without the fear of repercussion okay but it immediately okay. turned into so i don't like you i never liked you i'm only on your friends list so i could watch you burn like and you're like oh Sure. But it's really simple. It's really easy. It's actually very straight to the point. So when you open up the program and go straight to your received messages, after that, next to that is a tab to your favorited and your sent message. So you can know who you sent it to. So unless somebody has access to your phone, then they'll know who um, that who you sent it to. But if not, nobody will ever know. Nobody knows but you who you sent your information to. Okay. Um, the next the next major tab is search so you can search for users and mm -hmm. say i'm looking for lauren and find lauren and they'll bring up every version of lauren and it'll always put your friends to the front and then you can explore which is new so they don't know, know about it and then you can and the last page is your profile which you can correct you can add your notifications to see if somebody said something to you. You can choose whether or not you receive messages from people who actually have an account versus people who don't have an account. So okay. you can like incre increase the anonymity of the message getting sent to you. She's having issues with the words anonymity. An 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 that word, yes. <laughs> Everybody has a word that they can't say. My word is anonymity. It's the same thing as an anonymity. And I can't say either. <laughs> I'm sorry. Beyond that. And so it's really, it's so, such a simple program that mm. it makes sense why it'll, it's successful right now. So the crazy thing is, is that people are like, they, somebody posted like a joke that all the responses were going to be like revealed. Okay. And people like had small. And when I mean small, I mean extremely large heart attacks. <laughs> They're like, no, you know what kind of thirst trap messages I sent to somebody? No. All right. So the, the, the idea of the app was okay because they thought like, okay, we can use this at work so that we can send messages 
without other people knowing instead of having to say the word that Leah can't say. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we can send these messages so that people are not self-conscious about saying something or maybe even saying something about their supervisor that they think would benefit the supervisor and their relationship. But we don't live in that type of world. We live in a type of world that's like, hey, I'm a troll. I can talk smack about somebody without them knowing to their face. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. So so it I'm went from troll. being, you're a troll. He's a troll. They're all trolls. Hey! Okay. She's lost her mind. So yeah, so it went from being constructive criticism and open honesty to being something where basically people are just being assholes to people. Right? Facts. Okay. And we'll probably end up getting into anonymity. Um that word <laughs> in another ep- episode and the importance and downfall of anonymity but not today yeah. <laughs> but the, yeah this we, we had to talk about this app because apparently this is something that everybody is using except for me because i've reached that age where i'm just like nah it, we're lucky i'm on facebook and instagram and snapchat and twitter i'm not going to add another social media app onto my repertoire Google Plus. Hey. Oh, I also have a Google Plus Lord, that I never use. Ever. Nobody ever used it. Yeah, I don't. They tried I, I and don't. failed. Yeah, I, I don't understand what it was supposed to be for. It was supposed to be like Facebook, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Remember MySpace? <laughs> I learned coding because of MySpace. You know how many HTML backgrounds I had to put in? It was great. If you want to go, if you want to go that route, I mean, I learned HTML for Angel Fire. <laughs> oh God, why? Do you remember Angel Fire? Yeah, that's why I'm saying why. Well, because I wanted my own website and. Nah, I had to learn how to make the ra- stars rain. So MySpace and Neopets was how I learned how to um alter <laughs> HTMLs. Twelve-year-old oh, no. and thirteen-year-old me knew how to put in new coding and new my hashed my hexa what are they called hexa the colors the six digit colors oh, don't even ask me. i know Not what you're right. talking about i i don't know the name of them zero zero four two <laughs> all right so now that we've talked about that let's get on today's topic so of course if you read the title of today's podcast uh we spoke about so ha 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 and mm-hmm. i honestly didn't want to add I, I didn't want to take up too much time on that so i think we're Sarah-ha-ha. good with how much the 15 minutes that we're taking up on it do we need to, you're gonna add in that extra ha 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 so we get the actual 15 minutes yeah okay right. so um, i read uh i was reading an article in um the family therapy magazine it's literally called FTM, Family Therapy Magazine. Um, and this is a magazine that's published by the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy. So this is our sort of... I keep wanting to call it a guild, and that's because my brain is constantly stuck in either an RPG or a Dungeons & Dragons, so I can't remember what it's actually called. But it's our association where if I need extra information or if I want to get some extra CEs or whatever, I can go there and get it for my degree. So this one was actually talking about, well, one, of course, is our annual meeting 
which I will not be going to again because I can't afford it. <laughs> PTSD and most uh, mostly PTSD, TBI in the military. It's a big thing with family therapy and the AAMFT to actually go back into uh, working with military personnel and their families and TBIs and PTSD. Yes, they need a lot of work, but their families also need a lot of work helping them to get into this whole idea of the person who went away and was deployed overseas is not the exact same person that's coming back home and how the family can help cope cope with it. So this episode, we really do want to talk a lot about what PTSD is, what are some of the diagnostic criteria, what are some of the ways we treat it. And of course, because we have to add geeky stuff, some characters that we know that can be diagnosed with PTSD and there's one that some people say have it and some people who say don't so we're gonna see if we can figure it out today so right off the bat what I wanted to just let everybody know is so traumatic brain injury with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder has been the major health concern among military personnel and veterans between 2000 uh, between 2000 and 2016 with a worldwide total of 361,000 U.S. service members, including those on active duty or in the Guard or Reserves, being diagnosed with having some degree of traumatic brain injury. So that's, I mean, that's a huge amount. And that's just in the military. So then if we actually looked at it, so again, that was from the Family Therapy magazine. There's a site called Heal My PTSD, and they have some t- statistics on it. It's So general PTSD stats are 70% of adults in the U.S. have experienced some type of traumatic event at least once in their lives. Um, and that's 223.4 million people. Up to 20 of these people go on to develop PTSD. As of today, that's 31.3 million people who did or are struggling with PTSD. Yeah. An estimated 8% of Americans, that's 24.4 million people, have PTSD at any given time. An estimated 1 out of 10 women develop PTSD. Women are about twice as likely as men. Among people who are victims of severe traumatic experience, 60 to 80% will develop PTSD. Almost 50% of all outpatient mental health patients have PTSD. So that's half of any outpatient mental health patient is diagnosed with PTSD. Somewhat higher rates of this disorder have been found to occur in African Americans, Hispanics, and Native Americans compared to Caucasians in the United States. So this site also broke it down to combat teens, teens and children. And by the way, people, children and teens, again, those are my, that's the people I work with the most. I want to say I have seven clients right now. Out of seven clients, four of my clients carry that diagnosis of PTSD. And that's just my clients. So we have a, a full staff and each one of us have about seven to eight clients. One day when I'm actually talking about what I actually do, I'll explain why we have such small caseload. So that's just that's just the generic uh, stats. And again, if somebody else finds out that I'm wrong, please let me know. I'll tell you where to reach me. Because again, these were these were just looked up so I can pull up for the podcast today. Um, and I could be wrong. There's also some other information. There was a study by um, Rand in 2008, a nonprofit global policy think tank. So mm-hmm. in 2010, 
2008, they did a PTSD and TBI um, survey of the military. And so at that point, it was at about 31% of all military coming out, of all deployed military coming out, Mm -hmm. has some sort of either um, traumatic brain injury or PTSD. And so, and or, so it was like they either had, they had a combination or they got it themselves or, um, they got only TBI or only PTSD. Mm -hmm. And so at that point it was 300,000, 320,000, um, reported some sort of TB, um, traumatic brain injury and 3,000 reported at least something of PTSD. So that's at least six, six hundred, three hundred thousand. So that was at least six hundred thousand that were reporting from PTSD. Mm-hmm. And so, but there was also the fact that they had to actually make a note that a lot of them did not report or didn't refused to be examined because they did not want to admit to it. And so, a lot of them said that they didn't want to, they didn't want to seek medication because they didn't, they were afraid of the medication. They didn't know what it was going to do to their career to be labeled. Yeah and were scared to be denied security clearance because if you have a mental health issue, they will be like, so you cannot get this job because your security clearance is compromised due to your mental health. That's sad. Yeah. So it's so much fun to know why people don't want to go get mental health. Mental health is good. Okay? Well, everybody has mental health. They're no, they don't want to get mental health treatment. Facts. And, and in all honesty, that's something I hear a lot with my clients who are in high school and thinking about careers, if they uh, want to have a career in the military, they very much argue with wanting to work with me because they think if they work with me, they will not be able to get into the military. And again, I don't know the facts for that, and that's probably going to be one thing that I may get one of my friends to help me with, is maybe talking to a recruiter about that. Because, I mean, some no matter what kids like, the military they like the idea of becoming military personnel and i don't think they do the research on it i would like to be able to do the research on it just so that i can say yeah i know you're saying you don't want to participate in therapy because you think you're not going to be able to get into the uh, military because of it but this is what the facts are mm-hmm. granted they probably still won't listen to me because they're kids and <laughs> And I'm an adult and I have no clue what they're talking about because I've never lived. I was, I was hatched an adult. Sorry. How dare you? So those are just the statistics of PTSD. PTSD, of course, is post-traumatic stress disorder. Post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosed uh, from the DSM-5. So the the criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder is extreme. It's a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and there are other different, so now the DSM-5, of course, is the book that we use to get our diagnoses from. So the way the DSM-5 is now, as opposed to how it used to be, is they they kind of group things together in similarity. So now it's uh, in a section called trauma and stressor-related uh, stressor disorders, and in it is RAD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and acute stress disorder. So the only difference, I think, from post-traumatic stress disorder and acute stress disorder is that with acute stress disorder, it's you had to have actually had the traumatic event yourself. So you possibly being threatened, uh, your life being threatening, threatened or being there when somebody else 
had passed away and not just like oh they were sick and died but like it has to be a traumatic event and again i'm probably i could be wrong on this <laughs> i'm not even gonna joke and say nope that's the truth i i might be wrong the criteria the diagnostic uh diagnostic criteria for this is um one directly experiencing the traumatic events Witnessing in person the events as it occurred to others. Learning that the traumatic event occurred to a close family member or a close friend. In cases of actual or threatened death of a family member or friend, the event must have been violent or accidental. For experiencing repeated or extreme exposure to adverse details of the traumatic event. So they give an example of first responders collecting human remains. Police officers repeatedly exposed to details of child abuse. Mm. Oh. And that's just criterion A. B is the presence of one or more of the following intrusive symptoms associated with traumatic event. Beginning after the traumatic events occurred. So one, recurrent involuntary and intrusive distressing memories of the traumatic event. Two, recurrent distressing dreams in which the content and or the effect of the dream are related to the traumatic event. Three, dissociative reactions, so flashbacks in which the individual feels or acts as if the traumatic event were reoccurring. Four, intense or prolonged psychological distress at exposure to um, internal or external cues that symbolize or resemble an aspect of the traumatic event. So basically that one is it's intense or prolonged psychological distress at the exposure to internal or external cues that symbolize or it's it's a lot of big words so it's basically <laughs> saying that you're constantly put at cues that can they're triggers okay that's the best way for because i'm like what's the word i'm looking for they're triggers so and they're consistent triggers that happen constantly for you man that was really repetitive i am sorry about that you're welcome um yeah <laughs> They're the cues that people get on an everyday basis. And these cues can be constant triggers for these people who have PTSD. So things like, and this is going to sound really random, but like if you're in the military and then you get discharged, suffering from PTSD, and you decide to take a police job, the uh, police job or a job in, and one of the, what some of them will do is a job in as a range officer Mm -hmm. so they're not they're not working as a police but that constant uh loud noise constant gunfire can be that consistent trigger that's causing them to get uh to have symptoms of ptsd marked physiological reactions to internal or external cues that symbolize or resemble an aspect of the traumatic event so again physiological of course that's more of a body reaction and these accuse the triggers that can be physical they can be outwardly physical so they can be things like you're getting sweaty um you're starting to get tunnel vision or internally like the rapid heartbeat um breathing heavy things like that c is persistent avoidance of stimuli associated with the traumatic event beginning after the traumatic event occurred as evidenced by one or two of the following. So avoidance of of or efforts to avoid distressing memories. So basically when people who have PTSD, one of the things that they want is for you to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll get into that later. And they will refuse to talk about it. They'll refuse to talk about anything that has to do with that. So if they are military service people, they will not talk about any time that they were 
um, deployed. Mm -hmm. Or avoidance of or efforts to avoid external reminders, people, places, conversations, activities, objects, situations that arouse distressing memories, thoughts, or feelings about or closely associated with the traumatic event. Again, these are people who... I'm using service people just because I I am what people would consider a military brat. I grew up in a family in the military, so... Me too! (laughs) This is what I know, uh, which is also part of the reason why I went into family therapy. Negative alterations in uh, cognitions and moods associated with traumatic events. So it's, it's basically a thought process is just really bad. That's, that's honestly the easiest way to say that. So, um, and of course you need two or more of the following. So one is inability to remember an important aspect of the traumatic event, typically due to dissociative amnesia or not, uh, not to other factories such as injury, head injury, alcohol, or or drugs. Mm -hmm. So now that's kind of weird because PTSD and TBI are actually very close at hand and they usually are a lot of times when somebody has a TBI they will get um, a diagnosis of PTSD Um, and so but what they're saying is they would have to have a dissociative disorder not a dissociative disorder they would have a dissociative moment based on the trauma but it can't be based on any head injuries uh, that they received at the trauma. So in other words, if they, uh, if an IED exploded and they fell back or it exploded in their face, the dissociative fugue state, so the point where they can't remember anything, has to be because it was so traumatic and not because of the brain injury they sustained. Mm. Is that not like the weirdest catch-22? <laughs> and that's why there's such a, there's a line separating PTI and PTSD. So, but there's, but there's also, uh, that's only one of the criterion. So, I mean, you, you need, uh, two or more and there's seven in this list. So it says persistent and exaggerated net, uh, exaggerated negative beliefs or expectations about oneself, others, or the world. So basically kind of really bad self-esteem at that point, believing that you're nothing, believing that the world is trash, things like that. Yeah. A lot of people have low self-esteem but does that mean that they have ptsd no persistent distorted cognitions about the cause or consequences of the traumatic event that lead the individual to blame himself or herself in uh or others persistent negative emotional state so constant fear horror anger guilt or shame markedly diminished interest or participation in significant activities feelings of detachment or estrangement from others and persistent inability to experience positive emotions. So basically, they're in, in uh, unable to be happy or feel satisfaction or like feel love from their loved ones. Again, this is part of why family therapy becomes so big for this. Marked alterations in arousal and reactivity associated with the traumatic events, beginning or worsening after the traumatic events occurred, as evidenced by two or more of the following. Okay, so. Now, when we say arousal, we're not talking sexual arousal. We'll talk, we're talking just the body's arousal point. So if you're outside, yes, if you're outside in the cold and you get those goosebumps, that's an arousal effect. That's your body's way of saying, hey, something's happening Mm -hmm. and this is, we need to prepare for it. Irritable behavior and angry outburst with little or no 
provocation, typically expressed as verbal or physical aggression toward people or objects, reckless or self-destructive behavior, hypervigilance, exaggerated startle response, problems with concentration, sleep disturbances. So they either have difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, or their sleep is restless. Then, of course, there's the duration of this disturbance, so it has to be more than one month. The disturbances cause clinically significant distress or impairments in social, occupational, or other important fun areas of functioning. So that's like the one thing that I want everybody to keep in mind. This has to cause severe distress. And why I want to keep this in mind is because we will be talking about certain comic book characters, and I will be... <sighs> sort of saying whether I think they may have PTSD or not. <laughs> and that's one of the main reasons why we will go with that. And the disturbance is not attributable to the physio uh, physiological effects of a substance, medication, alcohol, or other medical condition. So, so if you don't have, you're not on drugs, why you call, why you're acting this way? It's, it's a big thing for this because I also want to uh, point out that PTSD is one of those diagnoses that has a high comorbidity rate with people who have addiction issues. So what does comorbidity mean? That means that basically those two diagnoses kind of go hand in hand sometimes. So basically when there's one diagnosis, there'll usually be another diagnosis with it. So people who have bipolar disorder will usually have something like bipolar depression or and of course that's actually just one diagnosis but mm -hmm. a lot of times they'll have something like anxiety on top of th their bipolar disorder depressed people with depression will have a lot of times anxiety disorder with it not just that they're anxious but they actually have the diagnoses of anxiety disorder or panic attack disorder people with OCD again so these are Actually, yeah, OCD and PTSD can be susceptible, like, together, which I've seen before, which is kind of interesting to watch. Yeah, really. <laughs> okay, so let's go into our comic book characters. So, Leah, who's first on our list? So, we're going down all these lists, and the first thing that you have to think about is who do we see have these same exact situations? And the first is... I think everybody would think the most obvious answer to this, and that's Mr. Sh I, I couldn't make the sound better. Mr. Snick. I really wish you guys could have seen what she just did. It was just horrible. <laughs> Besides the fact she tried to make the sound of Wolverine's claws coming out, that was the sound that she was trying to make. Snick. 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 But then she's making, like, it looks like she's throwing up gang signs. It's awesome. Blame Stanley. I can't even blame Stanley. So, so let's start with why would we say he would have PTSD? So, what would have caused his PTSD? Um, Stryker. Okay, go in. Let's go into some detail. You can't so just say Stryker. <laughs> there are people who listen to our podcast that have no clue who. Wolverine and Stryker are. Read a comic book! Okay. They live under a rock. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, depending on the version of Wolverine that you've read or watched, most of them have the same backstory that this guy, um, Stryker, was a general Stryker at the time? Was he a general by that point? He went up the ranks, and 
he had he decided to work on a um, project X, which was modifying known mutants to become a super mutant who would be basically their army slave. Depending on the version, um, Wolverine was part of an X project, which de- again, depending on the version, took a lot of known characters. So Deadpool may or may not have been part of the same project, but basically they did a whole bunch of testing to make the perfect um, mutant and Wolverine was infused very painfully because there was no way to do it without anesthesia, with any anesthesia. So he was painfully injected and his bones turned to, or covered in adamantite, adamantium. That's the word. I got that one. (laughs) So I have a question. Now, uh, when you say there was no reason for, well, there was no way they can give him the anesthesia, was it because of his healing factor or just that they were jerks? It was a, it was because of his healing factor that no anesthesia would work properly for him. Okay. As soon as it went in, it went out. Okay. And they were all- So he kind of just burned it out. Yeah. And so the other issue was that they weren't certain- Everybody that they tried using anesthesia on, it didn't work. So they were like, well, let's try it the old-fashioned way, guys. Do-do-do. Did they really say do-do-do? In my mind, they did. I felt I felt the do-do-do in that moment. Okay. <laughs> but they went and did this to Wolverine, and then almost immediately, they tried to kill him off. When they realized he was not their perfect super soldier and could not be controlled, they tried to kill him off. And they basically did this, killing him off by killing just about everybody he's ever loved. And that's pretty much Wolverine's constant story. He likes somebody and they end up dead. Or he ends up dead. Somebody always ends up dead by the end of that, um, each love story. And he tried it with a lot of people. He was a bit of a hoe. <laughs> Well, he also lived for, like, ever. He's older than Xavier. So he's a long-term hoe. Still a hoe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What people may not realize is he's had traumatic events ever since his childhood. Mm-hmm. So he first gained his um, mutant ability of the healing factor and the bone claws when he was a child, and he accidentally killed his father. Oops. Sorry. So... Like, just starting from there, this is all very traumatic. And he has constant traumas that are thrust upon him, that happen to him, and that happen around him. So, of course, him surviving while many loved ones die. You know what? He does have the hypervigilance. I will say is reckless and self-destructive. The interesting thing about his hypervigilance is that it's put hand in hand with his actual mutant powers because he's Wolverine so he has super smelling and super um like reactive abilities so he's the whenever he's he's the first one down in any version or any um in the cartoons in the comics in the movies he always is the first one down and he always does like a precautionary sniff of okay. the area and then he just like goes in he's like <laughs> and then you know something's about to go down in the next like 15 seconds whether or not like and most of a lot of those times he's attacked without knowing who it was so he'll attack first and find out later 
like when he he almost killed Kitty a couple of times for that exact yeah. reason and Rogue. Yeah, he almost definitely almost killed Rogue when he stabbed her in the stomach, and that's how we found that Rogue's power in the movie because she touched him and took his sealing power so she could not have three circles in her stomach anymore. He's gone through a lot, and that's so that's his hypervigilance at least. Okay, so. And his reckless behavior, again, he has that ability to heal. He has the ability to uh, smell things that other people can't smell and hear things other people can't hear. So he is, and and he knows it's going to be kind of difficult to kill him. So he can be kind of reckless. Now, based on what we went through, what I, well, the boring part that I went through with reading the DSM-5 and the criteria for um, diagnosing PST, uh, PTSD, oh my god, PTSD, I would honestly say that there's that possibility of him not having it. Because also, remember, he has amnesia. And not just amnesia on, he doesn't have a dissociative um, sort of fugue state when it comes to traumatic events in his life there's whole parts of his life that he doesn't remember there's whole sections so when so he doesn't even remember like how old he really is which is so unfortunate so if we go through i mean go through that one yes he's had this for longer than a month because we also don't know how how old he is (laughs) but on the other hand he doesn't remember really any of the full details of his traumatic events now so so that's one of the criteria where i'm kind of like okay there's a possibility of him not having it but now we also have to remember there are parts if we're just going based on the movies where he will have what is a dissociative reaction so a flashback of his traumatic events so he'll go he'll have intrusive dreams he will have the flashbacks of being in the tank mm-hmm. and coming out. He'll remember the pain, so he'll have that physiological response to it. His uh, his claws may pop out automatically at that point when he when this has happened. So he has that marked physiological reaction. He has the dissociative reaction with the flashbacks, and that's that also happens when he's near the area that where the traumatic event happens again this is based on the movie not on the comic books because i wasn't that big of a, a marvel person and those movies made me even less of a marvel fan rude yeah, i'm sorry the the x-men movies weren't that great that was a fox problem not a marvel problem <laughs> let's be clear so if we go for that, so he has the dissociative re- reaction and the psych- physiological distress. So he has uh, he meets criteria B. He meets criteria A uh, E. <laughs> he definitely meets criteria A, which is the directly experiencing a traumatic event. Of course. Persistent avoidance of stimuli of- associated with the traumatic. He has event. B because he had the intru- intrusive intrusive symptoms. Yeah, I said I said that already. But C, he doesn't have. D, I don't know, because it's questionable. See, he's he doesn't avoid the stimuli associated with the event, so he's not he's not avoiding Striker. He's not avoiding the place where he was at because he doesn't remember it. But every time he gets to a place that is like too familiar, 
he does like he starts starts going like I want to go like he doesn't want to be there or and he doesn't and he does avoid the thoughts so the distressing thoughts so anytime somebody wants to talk about it with him he doesn't want to address it and that's a big issue so he's like so let's talk about what did striker do to you and he's just like not having that conversation well the other thing is he also doesn't really remember the conversation like but he knows it was striker <laughs> he knows it was striker because you know those flashbacks but those flashbacks are very um they're they're pieces he's not have he doesn't know the full details his he's he has amnesia to that point so he doesn't remember a lot of the trauma negative alterations in cognitions and mood associated yes you know what he does do the whole he shouldn't be trusted and that he is an animal so i'll say he has that one feeling of detachment or estrangement from others yes that's a yes and no he had so it depends on which era wolverine yeah because low-key low-key x and joining the x-men was a form of therapy for him so before he he joined the x-men he had very point blank detachment and estrangement from others like even in the x-men first class they tried to they tried to hit him up and he his first words were fuck off and then like they were like okay we're leaving now and so they had to understand that 60 years down the line he was like okay we're cool we can it only took like 60 years but he ends up joining them again and actually being able to and even then he was still trying keeping himself separate from others cuz he cuz he obviously like forced rivalries for no reason i guess then the last criteria we're going to look at is g the disturbance causes clinically significant distress or impairments in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. And I'm going to say no. What? You know how many times he almost got kicked off the X-Men? Or he tried to walk away from the X-Men? Or he threatened to quit? How many times has he been able to hold a job? And it isn't until somebody comes to try to kill him that he loses that job. And this is when we all go, when they all go into flashbacks. I'm sorry. I also remember the X-Men cartoons. <laughs> I used to watch those like crazy. He's had jobs. He's been able to hold jobs. He's been able to hold relationships. I mean, come on. Him and Storm. <sighs> We're not going to talk about that. That's my favorite. That's, that's my ship. Farce. The farce. That's my ship. He's like half that's her height. Farce. That's okay. It's a farce. That's that's the animal. <laughs> she is a queen. She belongs in Wakanda. Okay. No. So I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on that one because it does because he can't do. He's choosing, and this goes back to the avoidance. He's choosing jobs that isolate him. So he does a lot of loner jobs. He'll be a lumberjack. Where all he really has to do is, I'm at this tree and you're at that tree. We only see each other in the morning when we're saying, hey, and then we're going to our respective trees 17 million yards away from each other. When he was a lumberjack, wasn't he like with that chick either, anyway? No matter how you want to, everybody who's in You are fighting this. I the am. Diagnosis so bad. No. No. Yes. <laughs> Because everybody has somebody. No matter, every dog has a bone. Like, everybody always has somebody. That doesn't mean that you're not avoiding everyone else. Because she might be his security blanket. She might be the only thing that keeps him, like, 
from killing everybody else. But he was able to hold a job, and he was able to hold social functions. And she worked hard to get him, and she was even a mutant. She had to convince him. That's okay. It doesn't So she was using her mutant abilities to convince him to be with her. Jubilee looked up to him like an uncle. Like, not like a creepy uncle, like... Like like a like an uncle that is reliable. Like if dad's not there, I'm calling Uncle Wolverine. Yeah, and he still avoided her like the plague. Every single person who was attached to him, he avoided like the plague and they did the first move. They pushed themselves on him. The only time he pushed himself on another person was when he knew they were an unattainable goal. Like haha, <laughs> Jean Grey. He he that was the only one who was like, I love you. The rest of them was he was like, hmm. And they were like, come on, Rivaline, you know you love me. Mm. Go away, mm. go away. And then like they have like great sex later. Jean Grey was the only one who was like, I'm in love with you. And she's like, but I'm in love with Scott. And Scott's like, I'm going to kill you if you get near her. And he's like, well, I'm in love with her. And he like started a rivalry in like the, he started a love triangle, an unattainable love triangle. Because why? PTSD. So as uh, we're saying, (laughs) she's saying yes, I'm saying no. Who's next? Uh, Let's go for the, the thing is that I noticed this because it's in Marvel more because I'm, my next person would be Iron Man. Okay. And so this one is a real discussion because it depends on which version of Iron Man you are familiar with. So when we we're talking about Tony Stark, Iron Man, the comic books, don't give him a uh, don't give him post traumatic stress disorder like tendencies they don't have anything where you would say he has post traumatic stress disorder but they do actually make reference like there's a whole book based on the fact that like they they're saying tony is and oh my god did i say tony hawk or tony stark no you didn't you didn't say tony at all you didn't say stark at all you just said tony is so you're good Okay, well, for some strange reason, I was thinking Tony Hawk. Sorry, Tony Hawk, still love you, but you're not a comic book character, so we're not going to talk about you. So in the comic books, Tony Stark has a drinking problem, and there's a whole episode, volume, whatever you want to call it, that is just on Tony Stark's drinking problem. Like, I think he's passed, like, the cover of it is even, like, him passed out with a bottle of alcohol, so it's blatant it's not even like oh he may have a drinking problem they're like no he's a damn alcoholic let's just call a spade a spade congratulations you are an alcoholic in part three they talk about it Mm -hmm. right the third movie yes i'm gonna be honest i didn't like the second one so i didn't see the third one Rude! except for i think there's a part where a house falls (laughs) (laughs) um so i saw that part after that meh all right go ahead so leah leah's going to have to tell me bits and pieces and we'll see where the criteria goes because if he has anything that has to do with alcoholism it's a big fat no so we can put like denied on right on that so but go ahead leah so is he drinking through this episode Yes and no. Like, he drinks, but it's not like every movie he drinks. It's not something that 
it, it it's not showing him as as affecting his daily day to day, and it's not in binge form, so it was not an addiction. But he was drinking alcohol. But he was the exposure. The A exposure was the Avengers movie where he almost got killed while going into space trying to save the world, and damn near almost died. So okay, so like. So his traumatic event was a near death experience yes. with a nu- and that one was a nuclear bomb too. So Mhm. So if he hadn't gotten rid of it in time for it to before it detonated, he would have died no matter what, but he would have taken many other lives with him. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So, so he saved uh, the world. By the way, we're automatically going to say reckless and self-destructive behavior oh. because it's Tony Stark. Yeah. He already meets that criteria for for part one. He, he meets one of that part of the criteria, which is E, and he needs uh, at least one more. So, but go ahead. So A, he meets that criteria. Yeah, C. B, the presence of uh, intrusive symptoms associated with the traumatic event. So, remembering the movie, it's been a while. He does show some intrusive, like he has memories of the, of him almost dying. Okay. And he has flashbacks of what happened. Okay. So he has the flashbacks. He. Does he have nightmares? Yes. He actually doesn't sleep for like a couple of days because he does not want to sleep, which is avoidance. Hey. So he doesn't want to sleep because the nightmares are giving him flashbacks of the incident. So he instead starts working like forever on his Iron Man suits and he makes like 47 of them for no reason and just keeps going making them. The sleep disturbance is also not is not the avoidance. It's the marked alterations in arousal and reactivities associated with. So that's criteria E. Uh, so he meets two of that. So the so the recklessness and the sleep disturbances. Yes. So so we've got A. We've got E. He did see because he did not want to talk about it at all to anyone, which led to the this which led to G because Pepper Pops was about to do divorce his ass and they weren't even married yet so she was done with him at during that it was only until like she was almost killed so he has um persistent avoidance intrusive symptoms traumatic event what's the entrance in- so he, he just has the flashbacks the flashbacks right? and the and the nightmares and nightmares okay so he has two of that one avoidance yeah negative alterate so wow, that one was easy. So <laughs> wow, Tony Stark, don't, Tony Stark in this movie, and these disturbances are not a tr- not part of his alcoholism. No, they do not because they because the movie really wanted to make it clear that he had PTSD. They did not m- mention his alcoholism or the fact that he drank. Like I don't think he drank much that entire movie. Every other movie, he's like always has some kind of drink in his hands. But yeah, in three, he was like nah. And was this longer than a month? <laughs> yeah. I think this was like, it took a, at least a year out of their time. Okay, so so a year of it. Yeah. So everybody in the third movie, Tony, uh, I keep wanting to say Tony Hawk. <laughs> Tony Stark. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Tony Stark can be diagnosed with PTSD. Congratulations. Woo. Woo. <laughs> So look at that. So we've got 
one that is, one that's yes and no, depending on who you're asking. And, oh, we have specific criteria for diagnosing, but also it it, it is kind of, I don't want to say arbitrary, but there are, like, we got rid of the global, oh my god, it's, it's called a GAF score, and I can't remember what it stands for, but those were extremely arbitrary, because you can go to one doctor and get a GAF score of, like, 80, 90, Ooh. which means you're pretty much doing well, and then you can go to another doctor the next day and get a diagnosis of, like, 50, 40, Ooh. which means, like, you're having marked problems for severe, uh, for a long bouts of time um so that was completely arbitrary the dsm-5 this diagnostic criteria makes our diagnosing a little less arbitrary but as you can see with wolverine depending on who's hearing the case and what we know of it the diagnoses can go yet yeah, uh, can go either way and i mean it's it's very possible that uh, Wolverine, if we would have dealt with it in the past, not knowing anything of what's happening in the future, say, yes, he has a diagnosis of PTSD. But as of right now, I won't say he does because he can have relationships, because he can hold a job, because he was the leader of the X-Men for a little bit. And then he had, uh, what was it, X-Force or mm-hmm. something else? But again, um, I consider X-Men part of his treatment. So again... It could be that he's, I, I, for lack of better words, cured from his PTSD. <laughs> or recovering. We can say recovering. Or recovering, yes. So and that that's the reason why she'll, she can give a yes and I can give a no. But Tony Stark, just based on that movie alone, we will say yes, he has PTSD. Woo! Now for... A hard one. The one I'm pretty sure everybody thought the moment that we said we're going to talk about uh, comic book characters because we talk about him almost every episode Batman <laughs> and just to let you guys know I am actually not a Batman fan um, if I haven't mentioned that and made that clear several episodes it's not that I don't like him but you know everybody is like it's either Batman or Superman I don't think you have to make a choice really but my favorite has always been Superman <laughs> We don't need to make a choice, but it makes a yes, it makes a choice. Batman, everybody knows his traumatic event was watching his family be murdered in front of him. So, yes, he meets criteria A. <laughs> uh, criteria B, there are many, many comic books. There are very many car- cartoons where he's having the recurrent, involuntary, and intrusive distressing memories of the traumatic mm-hmm. events. So, again, it's going to depend on where you're at in comic books, but there have been many episodes uh, in some of his cartoons and in some of the comic books where just out of nowhere, he'll be somewhere and he'll get a flashback or mm-hmm. he'll have nightmares. And nightmares are his is the big thing, which is also goes into the whole sleep disturbances so he has e there he's definitely hyper vigilant so that's two there he also doesn't sleep much at all let's be honest i said sleep disturbances <laughs> like not just the dreams like he he sleeps for maybe what three hours total he can have moments of irritability hmm. 
but he's very much in control of that so i'm not going to say he has that one but i will i and again this goes to who who is diagnosing him it's me right now Mm -hmm. so i will say he is reckless and has a self-destructive behavior just because dude who dresses up as a giant (laughs) just to go like catch some bad guys Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's kind of reckless. That's kind of self-destructive. So, yeah, he does have a couple of those. He has this dissociative, he has the flashbacks, he has the nightmares. Intense or prolonged psychological distress at exposure to internal or external cues. That's, no, we don't have to worry about that one. (laughs) Avoidance of or efforts to avoid distressing memories, thoughts, or feelings about or closely associated with a traumatic event? No, not really. He doesn't avoid it. Mm. He will go to Crime Alley. He will go visit where his parents were murdered. He put a plaque up there. He has talked about it with people. Sure. So he's he doesn't he avoidance of or efforts to avoid external reminders, people, places, conversations, activities, objects, situations. Again, no, he's not avoiding it. He will go again to Crime Alley. He talks to. Again, if if you go through the whole thing that Gordon was the cop who gave him the jacket when his parents died, then you know what he talks to Gordon on a regular basis. If you go, um, it, it's it again. It's gonna depend on which version of Batman we're talking about. But we can also remember. Do you remember Scarecrow? Yes. When he his favorite thing is to go inside your brain and see what your biggest fear is. And so yes. many times his biggest issue with Batman is that his effect, his fear gas doesn't really work on him because he every time that he's tried to do it, it um, Batman almost immediately breaks through. Again, that's those are phobias and that would be discussing Batman phobias. I'm, I'm not going to get into those. <laughs> Negative alterations or cognitions. He remembers the important aspects of, of his traumatic event. He doesn't have negative beliefs. He doesn't think he's bad. Mm. But he does have the... The world is completely dangerous, which is the reason why he's the Batman. So we can say he does have the negative beliefs. But he... You know what? Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> he has he has the I am bad because he compares himself to Superman very often. And he... That's different. He... No, because there are... That's a, everybody. That's a whose PP is bigger. <laughs> I would I would believe that, except for the fact that there are so many other superheroes available. But he constantly says that when they said who would win between a battle between him and Superman, he said I would win because at the end of the day, Superman is good. At the end of the day, though, Superman and Batman both have that no kill thing, and Superman's killed people. Yeah. Um, Batman's killed people too. He hung them off of his bat plane. But he, he literally... didn't kill them. They weren't dead. They strangled. No. Remember, he they came down in a and, basement. And, gave, and then gave them puppies. He locked somebody in a basement and sealed it. Yeah. Shit happens, man. Only per- I wish I could do that to a bunch of people. Weirdly enough, only person who he has, hasn't killed who deserved to die was the Joker. And that's funny. He didn't kill Scarecrow. Scarecrow didn't really deserve to die. Joker is like a maniacal bastard, like, and he does everything to like <laughs> f with you. So 
She she thinks he does the I'm bad thing. I don't think he thinks he's bad, but I do think he, he believes that the world is completely dangerous and people can't be trusted. Does, you know what? Persistent negative emotional state. Is he in fear, horror, anger, guilt, or shame? There's the possibility of anger, but you know what? There are times where he can, he, he can smile and he can have a good day. He has the ability to experience positive emotions. Um, he gets happiness. He gets satisfaction. There's a day dedicated to make Batman laugh. Yeah, and the and and he can get loving feelings. Mm-hmm. Again, we did not narrow this down. So, okay, people. Now the other thing is with these diagnoses, it's kind of hard when we're dealing with so many um, versions. Versions. Thank you. I couldn't. I don't know why that word didn't come up. Um, so many versions of the same character. She was really, we were able to one, two, three diagnose with Tony Stark because we literally just said we're going to do this version of Tony Stark. We're saying any version of Batman can we say PTSD. Mm. And it's going to depend on which version of Batman we get. So if we're talking about current versions of Batman, you know what? He has a family. The Bat family is a thing. He has a son. He takes very good care of his son. He loves him. Alfred is definitely the father figure for Batman. Dick is like his oldest son. Where, where um, Damien is bratty little. Uh, Damien would be his youngest, and Jason and Tim. Uh, yeah, Jason and Tim would be like the middle children, which explains why they get no respect. <laughs> so they, he's able to have a loving relationship. But if we say, you know. Maybe back in the 90s, was he able to have a loving relationship? I don't know. You still may be able to count Alfred because he still respected him. It's not talking about like, it's not talking what type of love. But yeah, he. so, you know, and again, it's you have to meet certain points of the criteria. And he meets if we go by everything and then go straight over to G, the disturbance causes clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. No. <laughs> we can agree to that one because despite his behavior overall, like he has specific issues. Like he can't stay single. He's like a commitment phobe. And yeah. he like even though he owns like the Justice League and the Watch Watchtower, he is zero zero two because he doesn't want to be deemed the leader of the Justice League. He barely wants to be associated with the Justice League. He's like, yo, if you need my help, I'll be there. Mind you, he's always there, but he's like, yeah. I'm not really here. If you need me, just call me. Like, okay, but you're always there though. And then he still manages <laughs> to stalker, yeah. <laughs> and then he manages to keep Wayne Enterprise clean effective mm-hmm. and not not worthy of like suspicion on a regular basis and isn't he getting married to his catwoman soon oh man i don't know oh, that's the ship that i hope that will happen i've been so waiting for that ultimately all my life. everybody the diagnosis for post-traumatic stress disorder is not granted to mm-hmm. bruce wayne aka batman sorry if you were looking for that one, it's not going to happen. Mm. He doesn't have PTSD. Aww. So do we have anybody else? So here's the thing. We have all these people who've had PTSD or haven't had PTSD or have experienced some points of PTSD and 
are completely recovered, but we have one character who has never had PTSD, and he should have PTSD. And they're so, really and, and like we're not saying that he's he's never had PTSD. What we're saying is that when he's been written, he wasn't written to be diagnosable with PTSD. Yeah, I want to go to it goes to show you how he was raised and how resilient and healthy he actually was as a child. Um, but it also talks. I mean, if we're gonna go that way, you can honestly say that about Batman too, because he doesn't have PTSD, even though he should have with everything he goes through. But that's also resiliency. That's a question of resiliency for him. We're gonna talk about Robin, not just any Robin. Dick Grayson. A. Bat. Uh, Robin number one. Yes. Time to get a new Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Dick Grayson. Did he suffer a traumatic event? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. He watched his his parents get murdered, falling from the the acrobat stage. Trapeze. Trapeze. Oh my god, thank you. Thank you. They swing giant swing thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was gonna say they were swingers and that was wrong. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so And it's like a double tra- trauma because initially it was an accident. And then he found out, so he had to go and find out that it it was murder. So he did have a uh, a a moment where he had a traumatic event. Um, he does have nightmares because of it, and you know, reliving the moment of his parents' murder. But if we're going by the comic books, he doesn't avoid the circus where he was pretty much raised and grew up at. So there's no avoidance of the area. He has the ability to remember it, so he doesn't meet criteria D. I mean, criteria C, he's not avoiding it. No uh, no distressing memories or anything with going to the circus to see his, his circus family. Flashbacks, I'm, I'm kind of iffy on that part. I think he has... When he goes to the circus, he will see, like, he will have a momentary flashback, but it's not, it's not um, pervasive. pervasive. Hey! Yeah. Teamwork. There you go. So, I agree with you on that, definitely, because it's not something, like, if he leaves the circus, he doesn't bring the circus with him. Yeah. And so, it's obvious that once you are introduced to a stimuli, that you will associate it with its associated um, stimuli. Like, if I'm at a circus, (laughs) yeah, somebody, last time I went to a circus, somebody died here. That happened, like... I've I've been in the same situation. Like I don't have PTSD, but I was in a traumatic situation, and so when I go to that place, I remember that traumatic situation, but that doesn't walk with me when I leave that situation. He's not irritable. Irritable. Um, he doesn't have angry outbursts. He's not physically aggressive towards people. And again, this can be depending on what uh, where you're at with the comics. So if he's ju- uh, if it's just when he's like discovering, yeah, he's a little upset and a little angry, mm-hmm. and he does fight a bit. Um, he's a little bit reckless um, and self destructive, but hyper vigilant, not really. Um, he doesn't have exaggerated startle response. He doesn't have problems with concentration. He he goes to sleep. He has no problems with that. I mean, yeah, so if you go through the, he has the the reckless and irritable, but the last thing is, he's also, it's not longer than a month. It's him and Bruce actually work it out, and he's able to say, okay, fine, this is, 
this happened. I'm fine with it. So this happened. And so it's also really weird because if we're talking about the cartoons or the comic books, we don't know the time frame in the comic book world. So when he's finally over the whole irritability <laughs> and reckless self-destructive behavior, was that less than a month? Was it um, a couple of weeks? Was it more than a month? Was it a year? <laughs> but the other thing is he went to school. He went to college. He, gra- you know, he went, uh, he graduated. Mm. Um, he went to high school. He graduated with honors. So again, it wasn't really affecting his social or occupational um, areas. Fact. So would I say he has PTSD? No, no. not really. Congratulations, but this is also because Batman was actually pretty effective in addressing it immediately. Yeah, Batman didn't want this what happened to him to happen to 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 Dick. to Dick. <laughs> he because he loved Dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Jesus. because of that, he's like, okay, so because Batman says I am the way I am because I never got real closure we're gonna get you closure right now and so they work together and get the bad guy and so he's like I have closure now but now I see you as my father figure I'm gonna follow in your footsteps and and again that's gonna be a different episode because we'll probably have to talk about that at some point (laughs) yay okay Again, it's going to be dependent on what we're talking about, where we're talking about. But PTSD right now is extremely uh, is extremely common. It's pervasive in the in the United States. Can I see PTSD growing? Probably depending on what's going on in the world right now. Um, nuclear war. So yeah. So most likely. <laughs> I mean, granted, there's. I you know what? I'm not even going to get into that because I'd be like, we could be really negative and say, well. There may not be problems with PTSD because we'll be dead. (laughs) Yay! So there you go with that one. Sweet, sweet release. Well, so now that we understand this. this. Yes. That way. That one. And so one of the things is, like I was saying before, we, um, in family-based, I do, um, have a lot of clients with PTSD and the importance of having family therapy with PTSD is many times people will say things like just get over with it. it was something that happened in the past you can you know just move on and those platitudes aren't helpful you think you're being helpful but you aren't and they can end up making a person who has a mental health diagnosis feel a lot worse with family therapy, there's a lot of psychoeducational uh, information that's passed on to the family about what the diagnosis is and what it isn't, and also to help them understand that it's not their fault, it's not the uh, client who has the diagnosis's fault. Um, just because they have the diagnosis doesn't mean that they can't have a rich and full life. Um, And it doesn't mean that it's something that they're going to have forever. So a lot of times with family therapy, we're doing a lot of, yes, this affects this client, but it also affects the whole family. Because again, 
if this is someone who was married before, you know, having a traumatic event happen, they may pull away from their family, loved uh, family members or loved ones. They may become, they may come, I'm sorry, they may become mm -hmm. agoric uh, agoraphobic, which means that they will not go outside, which means that if their children are dependent on them going to a job, going to um, the store, picking them up from like um, some type of like sports event, whatever, this parent isn't going to be doing that. This is a parent who may become uh, more irritable may start self-medicating because of this disorder. So again, uh, family therapy is just to help the family, you know, well, it's not just to help the family, but it's to help the family understand that um, this is something that is is affecting all of them. It helps the client see that it's not just about them, it's about the whole family, but also to help the person with post-traumatic stress disorder see that they have supports within their family because that's one of the things that as you saw that people isolate when they become when they get this diagnosis and ha having them identify supports is one of the big things like you're not alone these are the people who can help you um and we say formal and informal supports so formal supports will be people like therapists case managers social workers hey. Yes, all those people would be a formal support, um, schools, jobs, all formal supports. Informal supports would be friends, family, things like that. So that would be the, the purpose of family therapy. Then, of course, there's uh, cognitive behavioral therapy that we would use. CBT is, is literally just that. It's, uh, it's talk therapy. You help the person recognize the thinking errors that are kind of like stuck or that are keeping them stuck and the behaviors behind it. So basically saying, okay, so this is the behavior that you have. What's the thought process behind that behavior and sort of questioning it with them so that they can see that the thought process behind their behavior is, I hate to say wrong, but sort of wrong and how to help them get behind, uh, get away from that or turn it into a positive unstuck way of thinking exposure therapy i like exposure therapy and i'm going to talk about a geeky way that um it's exposure therapy has been helping the military so exposure therapy is one of my favorite ways with ptsd and one of the many ways that they help veterans who are suffering from ptsd is actually through video game therapy so they use video games or vr video games and so sorry but the game that they were are used to use is actually really really old so they're starting to come up with new ones that you can use with vr <laughs> and the importance of vr is because it's actually putting them back into that sort of the the mindset and the the again virtual reality so you're going in visually and seeing the area that you are at and you're playing a video game that is supposed to sort of relive that that situation people who cannot do the VR they're still using video games with that and they are games like Modern Warfare there were others and for some strange reason I'm drawing a complete <laughs> blank if I can remember or if I can find the list again I will post it with uh, this podcast so they use video games for this for the exposure therapy because it's trying to get them to see that this is yes the situation they were on, they were in was extremely traumatic 
but again exposure giving them um making it so that it's not uh, not seen as a one-time occurrence mm-hmm. that it's it sort of like bombarding the <laughs> sensations with that situation and again this is this is the worst way for me to explain it it's helpful to help them fight the flashbacks and nightmares because once they're um re-enter the setting where the trauma is happening and they get to sort of learn to how to cope with it effectively so those nightmares start to diminish Mm -hmm. and then the last one is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing that's the word I can't say desensitization and reprocessing so EMDR so it it uses exposure therapy and then with a series of guided eye movement that help you process traumatic memories and change how you react to them. And that's me reading that, so that's not me saying, hey, I know this off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, I can't explain EMDR. That's not something I have studied. I've read about it, but I'm not going to say that I know enough to actually talk about it. But yes, but it there are... Apparently. But it, it, yes, it does work with PTSD... And it's sort of, there is a, another geek, sort of like a, a, so you know those sleep masks that people put on their face? So it's sort of like a sleep mask, but it has these uh, little lights in them. So they're not so bright that they're disrupting your sleep. Oh my God, I'm sorry for that stutter. (laughs) They're not disrupting your sleep, but it flashes in a pattern of lights. So now if you use something like that, with people um it's supposed to help a person get into REM sleep faster but it's also good because those pattern of lights are sort of the same patterns that they would use in EMDR to help with um the change of uh, to help with that exposure therapy so maybe at some point somebody will actually go and go and do a study on this this sleep mask Mm -hmm. and maybe some exposure therapy so the combination of those two and see if that works maybe i'll do that study (laughs) (laughs) i i may have to learn a little bit more about emdr so those are some of the these the therapeutic ways of helping people with ptsd um there, there are medications that are of course diagnosed for it um anti anxiety meds usually antidepressants um mood stabilizers are some of the ones that are used mm-hmm. and as i was saying before there's a lot of comorbidity with this so there are instances where people will have ptsd and instead of trying to get the help that they need go and like use drugs self prescribing but yeah on a nice note there is also recovery without any sort of treatment what they say on average it takes about three years three years and three and a half years three and a quarter years to um no longer to be considered to no longer have ptsd so like in the case of batman he may have had ptsd at one point but he did recover without treatment Okay. So, and I mean, that's, that's something that, you know, we have to look into. Well, not that we actually have to, because that would be kind of weird. Like, yes, we have to do a study on Batman. (laughs) There's been tons of studies done on Batman. Um, There's a whole Batman podcast about this. The Arkham Sessions with Dr. Andrea Letamendi. There's Psychology of Batman. 
Batman is a psychologist. Ha, you want to laugh? I actually just looked at my bookshelf and I have a book on EMDR. Hey. I, I have a lot of books on psychology people, so I, I, I'm a psych nerd, so I do actually like to learn a lot, which means this must be, and, and it's on my shelf of books to be read, uh, which means I haven't gotten to it yet. And yes, I have a to be read shelf. I have a to be, to be read queue. I just had to throw out seven packs of books. I don't know how to feel about my life right now. See, I at least donate them. I don't know who to donate them to, and I'm not carrying seven bags of books. The library. New York libraries can get their books for, um, like, the second day. I got, I was able to borrow Harry Potter one day after it was released. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll discuss that off air. So, that is our information on PTSD. Um, again, if I made mistakes, I'm very sorry. But, yes, feel free to hit me up and... Let me know what you think. Let me know if I made mistakes. Let me know if I bored you to death. Let me know if uh, you want me on Sarahaha just to make fun of me. Again, I will respond and usually not nicely either. Stop threatening the fan base. I'm not threatening anybody. I'm just letting them know. You, of course, can reach me on... Uh, Twitter at CatMFT. You can reach Leah on Twitter at LFBEEE. Yay! Three E's. Yes. You can reach us both at Geeks Fam Therapy on Twitter, Facebook at Geeks Family Therapy, um, and of course, GFT.geektherapy.com. Or you can go to geektherapy.com where we have a bunch of different. It's a whole network of podcasts, so if you want to find more podcasts like us, um, definitely check them out. Um, Until next time. I'll see you later. (laughs) Hasta la pasta, people. Hey.